Welcome to the RCC Points of View podcast, brought to you by the Scottish Residential Childcare Workers Online Forum. In this episode, I interview Ruth Forster and Kirsten Callaghan, who are employed as Promise Development Workers with the Social Care Organisation Crossreach. This interview will be of interest to people who work across the social care sector and of an interest in the promise. During the interview, you'll hear about some of the positives and some of the challenges in relation to the journey associated with promise implementation. We'll also hear about some of the recent plans from Crossreach that will help young people who are making transitions from residential to interdependence. You'll also hear about some of Ruth's and Kirsten's reflections about being employees of Crossreach. Enjoy this interview and I hope you do too. So without further ado, please welcome Ruth and Kirsten. Hi both, thank you very much for taking part in the podcast. So first question, can you tell me a bit about yourselves and what your connection is to residential childcare in Scotland? Um, so I'm Ruth, I don't know why I'm waving because it's a podcast, but there we go. <laughs> Um, so I am the, and I always forget my title as discovered at the start of the week, I am Promise Development Lead Officer at Crossreach and my connection with residential childcare, I've, both, I've got both a like personal connection and like a professional, so uh, my granddad was actually care experienced, so um, he was brought up in what was like a Bernardo's school for boys. Um, and then both on like I say a professional level um, I started working in residential childcare when I went to Australia as a backpacker and kind of fell into it as a career and I've never left so um, I worked in the first service that I worked in Australia it was um it was a service for young people who were leaving care. So it was like a transitionary model for um, young people aged between 18 to 21. Um, and then when we moved back to Edinburgh, I was working in a short break service for children with disabilities. And then I've moved to Crossreach. Excellent. And customer with yourself. Um, I started working in residential child care as my placement when I was studying my HNC at college. Um, I'd actually went with a view to going to uni and studying social work, but it just so happened that my placement was in residential child care with Crossreach, and that kind of changed my whole career path from, I think, probably the second day that I was there. I just scrapped my plans and decided that's where I was staying. Okay, okay, that sounds really good and you know so right now both of you are you know get roles essentially promise keepers sounds really interesting can you tell me about about that that role and some of the work you've been doing to help cross reach meet their commitments within the promise um so i started with cross reach last may so i've been with cross reach for 18 months so the first um the first year of my role um i was transition improvement lead so cross reach received um money from like the first round of the promise partnership 
Um, so basically my role it was, um, I guess, facilitating a co-production initiative um, to improve that transitionary transition experience for children, young people in our residential services. Um, so it was basically a participation role. So it was a bit of a, a bit of a move from me because um, I've been kind of working at like a team leader level within residential services. Um, and then this year, we Crossreach received um, funding through the Good Childhood. So um, what that means is it's almost like an extension of the work um, that we did last year. So taking forward some of like um, the de um, development areas which our children, young people identified as being key to improving that transition experience. Um, and then we've got an, we've got another five different work streams. Kirsten, if you wanted to talk about them. Sure. So one of our other streams that we're looking at just now is improving our assessment and care planning process, um, which has involved reaching out to other organisations and kind of researching what's out there, as well as speaking to the staff and young people at Crossreach and kind of gathering their views on what they feel is necessary or unnecessary in our current frameworks. Looking to create a kind of promise champion network within Crossreach of people who are being identified as our positive culture carriers and who are embodying the promise. And we hope to, whether it be through a residential or kind of development days, bring our teams together um, and do some training and get a nice wee vibe going. And hopefully, as Ruth and I do ourselves out of a job, the promise will continue at cross streets through these people. That's really good. And I suppose that's about your legacy in respect to, uh, you know, it's obviously good practice, but also the bit about funding, you know, the, yeah, the yeah. whole notion of these particular posts being funded. You mentioned the Good Childhood uh, Fund. Is that, can you tell us a bit about that fund, where it originates? Um, yeah, so with the, um, within Plan 21 to 24, now don't quote me on this, um, but there was five different priority areas, one being a good childhood. Mm -hmm. So basically um, the funding part of the funding stream um, was for organizations to take forward um, change um, and redesign services so that it would offer children a good childhood. Okay. Um, so it just so happens that for us, that means improving that transition experience, the care planning design. Um, that's how we've interpreted that fund. So there's I think like different organisations have interpreted that differently, but for us, that's our priority areas. Okay, fantastic. And then the CORA, you know, the CORA organisation uh, managed the fund. That's, yes. that's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely Okay, that's, that's brilliant. So just, in you know, in terms of the, you know, Crossreach's vision, mm -hmm. can you tell me how Crossreach's vision aligns with the promise? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Crossreach's vision is about um, seeking to support people to achieve the highest quality of life, um, which they are capable of achieving at any given time. So for me, I feel like that's basically a different way of saying that all children will grow up, love, safe, respected and can realise their true potential. But I think for me, in terms of the vision of the promise, um, you know, Crossreach has always been I guess, grounded in the maxim, maxim sorry, of those who've been harmed through relationships can be healed through relationships. And I think a significant part of the promise is about like that relational practice. And um, 
you know, the promise is really ambitious in terms of what needs to change and what needs to happen so that all children can grow up, love safe and realise their true potential. But it's very clear in stating that in, in order for that change to happen, you need to get that foundationary blocks of relationships right. So I think for me, there's like a real, like there's a similar vein in terms of like how much cross-reach um, embraces the power of relationships and the change that can occur when you have like a relationship based on trust, love and respect. So I think for me, that's where like the, the real like strongest themes are. Yeah, that's, that's, that's excellent to hear. And then just to, to point out to people listening, Cross Street are the social care arm of the Church of Scotland, just in case MD isn't aware. Um, so in terms of, you know, people who, who, may, who are listening may well be looking for um, possible employment. Would you recommend Crossreach as being a possible employer uh, for, for people coming out of the field? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, especially, especially within, like, our residential services. So um, I think for me, when I was working in Australia, the service that I was a part of, um, we had a clinician who was very much, like, embracing of um, trauma-informed supports and um like person-centered supports and understanding people's rights and then when I moved to Scotland so that was all I knew so like that was my reference point um so my experience that I've had when I walked through Crossreach's doors and I know it sounds cringy and I know it might sound like I'm just saying this for the sake of being on a podcast but there was a sense when I walked into Crossreach of like they get it and they get how much of an asset the the workforce is and how valued and how I guess like how important we are so I felt really like cared for and like my voice really matters and I think that's really really important when you're working in residential childcare that you feel part of something that feels bigger than you and for me that's what that's what I feel working at Crossreach. Fantastic. And Kirsten, you mentioned that, you know, you basically started with Crossreach when you were, <clears throat> you know, planning on going to university. So what was the kind of, you know, the, the thing that made you or, you know, essentially enabled you to just remain within Crossreach and build a career? I mean, I think essentially, first and foremost, it was the young people. Um, but the your journey in residential childcare and your development is so important in Crossreach that it's really well supported and you're really encouraged to strive to achieve your best for the young people because the better we are, the better support we give to them. Um, and it's got such a strong learning culture um, and it's okay for people to make mistakes and you're taught really early about the power of apologies and rupture and repairing in relationships. Um, and I feel like we've got such a strong workforce and such a well-supported workforce that you don't always get everywhere in residential childcare. And we're quite small teams as well. So it's just a really nice, it's like a wee community. Okay. Mm. And, yeah, and see in respect to your development, what kind of stuff have you done in your, your journey within Cross Street? It might be something to celebrate. Um, well, I'm currently just finishing my final year of the I'm studying the masters in residential childcare 
uh, um, Strathclyde, Jenny. So that has been fully supported by Crossreach. <clears throat> um, there's been quite a lot of time that they've had to allow me off to attend jury and also to support me in my studies whilst I'm working as well. There's been um, so much information that's such an invaluable course that you've been able to take back, put it into practice and also sharing it with the teams as well. And it really just has like completely transformed how I view residential childcare and also how you practice as well. That's a great endorsement for the Masters and also for Crossreach. <laughs> what, what, what about yourself, Ruth? Are you getting to add to that in terms of your experiences? So I think I think for I think for me, and again, probably echoing um Kirsten there, is just how much Crossreach actually values learning and valuing like your own journey. So when I kind of came into post, um obviously part of when you have funding through the Promise Partnership, which is um, administered by Cora, you, um, you're able to go on like the Promise Design School, which is all about learning like the fundamentals of the Scottish approach to service design. So for me, um, like my time within Crossreach, I've been equipped with heaps more skills and knowledge and like an evidence base around participation, service design, which I never thought I never kind of seen my career going in that direction. Like it was very much just like, I'm in residential childcare now. So you kind of work up the ladder. And, and I think like that's one of the, that's one of the, the benefits of residential childcare, not just within Crossreach, but like, like speaking more broadly, mm-hmm. it's the fact that it can offer you such a foundation in terms of like all the, I say soft skills, but I really hate, I hate that term because actually, the skills that's required to develop relationships with children, young people and with adults is really, really hard. Um, but I think, you know, if you are self-aware and you have that ability to reflect, and I think like that's those two skills are what's like really embraced here at Crossreach. Um, and I think it just puts you on like a really good footing for like other careers like um, in the future as well. So yeah, I couldn't speak highly enough about how much my, I guess, my learning journey has been like appreciated and embraced. Like, I think, I think there's one thing an organisation saying, oh, yeah, 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 we really appreciate um, like our staff members and our workforce learning. There's one thing saying it and then there's one thing actually doing it. Um, so, yeah, so it's 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 practice and it's also said as well. Excellent. So I was just kind of thinking, getting back to some of your work you've been doing in terms of your current roles. Um, is there any kind of sort of kind of indication of you know progress in respect to what you're seeing, you know, within the residential setting that you can maybe tell me about? Just a wee example, you know, something that you've you know that's off the back of you know your particular role and how that's influenced practice. Um. I think I'm, I'm going to head over to Kirsten for this one because she's been doing so much work um, around one particular aspect of improving like the, the transition mm-hmm. um, experience. That's fine. Kirsten, over to you. Yeah, so currently what we're looking at is, and I know other organisations are doing it as well, and it's fantastic, is setting improving transitions for our young people by providing flats for them that they can move into with the support of Crossreach, but whilst they still have their 
home within crossreach so that we're not just moving them in and then maybe something goes wrong and then they've got nowhere to go. We are still going to have the safety net of they can come back home, they can come back to the people that are familiar to them and um, to try and just make that journey smoother because a lot of the feedback that Ruth was getting last year was the loneliness of moving out of residential childcare and into your own flat or, or house was what was really hitting young people quite hard. Um, especially being in environments where you've maybe got four adults, five adults around you at one time, maybe a night shift. So there's always people in the house, there's always someone to talk to. So that's definitely been the hardest point for young people. So what we are doing is for our young people who are reaching the age of kind of they're starting to think about what's next for them, we're hoping to create a sort of project where we can in the first six to nine months before they are ready to move, really like upskill them and for what they're going to need to live interdependently and then transition slowly into our flats where we would support them. That's great. And so is it, is it at the early stages in respect to maybe identifying properties and, you know, beginning to kind of, you know, have that, you know, the, the infrastructure in place yeah. uh, to, to make that happen? And is there a kind of, a willingness, you know, within the you know the various levels within Crossreach for that to happen, you know, at director level and, and below. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's, I think it's having young people move into homeless accommodation when they've been supported through no fault of their own for the majority of their lives for some of them has to stop. And I think that's recognised at all levels. It's mm. brilliant. So just, just in terms of, you know, your role is a really important role. Um, have you came across any, you know, any kind of barriers um, and, you know, how you've you kind of managed to kind of, I suppose, navigate uh, the, the kind of barriers, stroke challenges? I think, like, I've been really lucky in that cross-reach, the impression that I get, and again, like, this is like my only perspective, is that in general, people are open and willing to kind of hear the voice of children, young people, which you don't always get and you don't always find. And there's a real, there's a real kind of um, will to almost put children and young people at the, you know, in the driver's seat. So I think I've been really lucky in that it, I don't feel like I've come across any barriers when I've been suggesting that we have to change this and we have to move forward with that. So I've been really, really lucky in that sense. But I think one thing to know is, and you know, I'm sure there's so many people who could maybe, um, uh, what's the word, like relate, in that sometimes you might hear, and this isn't, this isn't just like within Crossreach, cross but you might hear, oh, we're doing the promise. And it's almost kind of seen like as an addition to your day-to-day -day practice when really the promise is about like embodying like a different way of being and approaching not just residential childcare but the care of children and young people so I think I think there can sometimes be this idea like residential childcare is a really it's a complex role it's a difficult role it requires a lot from those who are choosing like to work in that environment and sometimes it can kind of feel like 
right? You're telling me that I need to be trauma-informed. You're telling me that I need to have all this knowledge around children's rights, you know, the health and social care standards. And now you're telling me that I need to change all of that. And there's 82 calls to action. It feels like a lot. So I think, I think it's maybe not so much of a barrier. I think it's more so like, you know, residential childcare, it's, it is such a, um, an important role that it can sometimes like practitioners can, can can sometimes kind of feel like whoa this is just quite a lot yeah uh, I think that's quite a human you know um response or you know feeling that people have and it's good to to hear that you know that's acknowledged yeah Kirsten, what about yourself you, you get to add to that or I guess um the thing that I think it's not across you barrier from crossheach but I definitely feel the pressure of time yeah kind of looming over the top of us in the sense of you know I've only been in this particular role since October and Ruth since I think the June in 2021 so it feels I think we forget that we've not been in these roles for that long but there's just this pressure of well we're already in 2023 we're near like three years down the line of the promise being published what's happening and it doesn't seem to be happening quick enough sometimes mm. um, and I guess that's holding our own expectations in mind as well as other people's priorities and expectations but yeah time I would say yeah and again that you know there's a lot of stuff alongside that such as money resources mm -hmm. continued funding um, yeah. you know keeping it high in the public's agenda and within policymakers agenda and whether we can make that actually a, you know, put the promise a law, a bill, put it through Parliament, um, yeah. you know, that should, in my opinion, be the next steps. Um, so just in respect to children and young people, how, you know, I suppose, how have you managed to include children and families mm -hmm. in respect to the promise? Is there any sort of things you've been, you've been doing that you can tell us about? So we actually have um, another girl, Kerry, is working alongside us and she is our family inclusion, inclusion officer. And um, she's been doing some great work engaging with our day pupils' families just now mm -hmm. um, and making sure that their voices are being heard. And she's in the very early stages of that yet, but she seems to be making some great connections. And obviously Ruth and I are working in the houses alongside the young people um, and the staff as well. That's great. And uh, I would imagine that you link up you know, we, we carry it and kind of share information and make sure that that's kind of aligning. That's, that's yeah. good to hear. That's really good. But I think, uh, I think as well, like sometimes when you're thinking about engaging children, young people, it's thinking how to creatively engage children, young people, whether that's through play, art, like then there's sometimes, there's sometimes this idea of like, if you ask children, young people what it is that they want, you might get an answer but is, is that answer almost like validating what you're expecting to hear? So I think like when in the, the initial workshops that I was doing, especially like within the transition, like the co-production initiative, there was a real focus on like, how can we make this like really creative and really engaging? And it's not just like that traditional format where we're all just like sat around a table going, what is it that you want? Um, and trying to trying to move into more of a like creative space of hearing people's voices 
through play and how they actually want to be heard as well. Because I think there's there's sometimes like this idea um, that, you know, like hearing, like hearing, especially young people's voices as well. Like it can be really, it can be really difficult. And, it, and it, you know, there's often that term, isn't there, around like um, the difficult to hear or the like the difficult to engage. So I think it's like our responsibility to kind of go, actually, what what is it that we can do, which means that those people are more likely to engage and we can hear those voices as well. Yeah, and actually, can I ask the best moment my next question? What that is, you know, what have what you know so far? What have the key messages been from children and young people when you've been doing the work? I know, uh, Kirsten, you mentioned something earlier about a, a nice kind of phrase that a young person can had says. Is there anything else in addition to that? You know, in terms of just in terms of the work around the promise. Um, there's been so much, Joe. Like honestly, <laughs> I feel like we could write a book of the. A lot of it is like comedy gold statements that mm -hmm. you can sometimes find. But um, I just, there was always one, there was a quote that a young person said to me about leaving care. And they said, um, leaving care is like um, the bit between Christmas and New Year. So, I know it well, I know it well. <laughs> so there's so much planning, there's so much talk of Christmas and you're getting really excited. So for the same for our children, young people, there's so much talk about them leaving care and the build-up of it. And it's really, really exciting. And you get to that point and they leave care. And the and the and the young person said it's the it's the bit between Christmas and New Year where you don't really know what to do with yourself. It's been a bit of an over event and you're like, I don't really know what to do with yourself. And there's this gloom just kind of sets in. And it just, it really, I found it really profound. And then oh, there was another quote as well, where a young person said that leaving care can feel like um, a, rocket a rocket ship leaving from the moon to the earth and leaving you there without any oxygen. Right. Well, that's a, a bit of a telling kind of uh, metaphor to use, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and it's the fact that, you know, feeling a bit kind of vulnerable and, um, you know, so there's a lot of work to be done in, in respect to that, uh, just like societal. You know? so, oh, 100%. Right. So, and what about the staff? So what, what have their reactions been like in respect to working in different ways and maybe managing, you know, change? For example, if you guys are getting in there, I know what it's like, you know, having been in practice myself and there's a new, you know, currently it's a promise. Prior to that, it might have been the you know, the National Residential Childcare Initiative or working in uh, trauma-informed ways. How, 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 do, how have staff kind of reacted to that and what has their, you know, interactions been like? Um, I think for me, there's been like a whole spectrum. Uh -huh. and I think that spectrum almost just reflects each individual's like practitioner's experience and developmental journey within residential childcare. So for some people, it's been like the promise has almost like granted them permission to start doing things differently. So it almost kind of comes as a bit of a relief. For some, there's been like an air of cynicism almost where it's a bit like, I, I, you know, I'll see that. I believe that when I see it. Mm -hmm. And there's been 
some where it's been like we've been saying this for years like we've been saying change needs to happen for years and it can it feels a little bit deflated that only now are our voices as the workforce being heard so a full spectrum excellent and see with the people who may might be a bit kind of like cynical just like you know maybe been there for a while and how's that been supported to you know make sure that they you know practice and Mm. a way that aligns with the promise has, has there been a particular you know conversation or, or well the promise in terms of embedding trauma-informed practice like we facilitate spaces for reflection so that we can attend to like big big conversations like that so mm-hmm. you know reflective pra- practices kind of our bread and butter so Absolutely, like those conversations which are attendant to that cynicism are, are happening all the time. Um, but it's like anything, like change is hard. Yeah. Definitely. And and it's and it's hard for it's hard for change makers and it's hard, it's about like influencing people. And I don't mm-hmm. think you realize that when you go into it. You're kind of like, oh yeah, like I'm improving transitions when actually there's a whole part of your role that's about influencing and supporting people to kind of come on that journey, which I don't think you anticipate when you go into it. Yeah, that's that's great to hear as well. Very honest as well. And I was just kind of thinking about your individual roles or collectively as well. How do you see your roles evolving as you move forward? You know, you mentioned earlier, Kirsten, about training up promise keepers and that bit about, um, you know, hopefully you you might do yourselves out a job, but yeah. is there anything else, you know, in addition to that, is there hopes for this to expand? I mean, I would, we, we would both love it to, um, I guess, we're quite fortunate, I know we're saying, you know, it's been a bit of a spectrum of responses, but there's, there's a lot of excitement as well around the changes that are happening in Crossreach, um, and it's, the promise is aligning quite well with our new practice model, which has been a lot of work for um, our quality assurance teams. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be that people are excited, they're willing to be a part of the change. And I would love for it to be a whole team of people in the future. Excellent. Ruth, about yourself? Yeah, I mean, like, I think given like, you know, current circumstances of cost of living crisis, um, you know, are we kind of heading into austerity 2.0? Like sometimes the the participation and the research and development roles are, can sometimes be like the first roles to go. So like reach, but um, I just, I don't know. It's it's not within my hands. I'm afraid to be able to kind of know what that is in store. I guess. Yeah. So it's a lot of people, you know, above you guys. You might use the term pay grade. Yeah. Uh, that that make decisions around you know budgets and stuff like that. I totally appreciate that. And yeah. It'd be good maybe if additional funding would support would support that. I think some more funding for so like Sakura or some other funding stream. Um, and, you know, Kirsten, you mentioned your um, your model of care. Can you just tell me a wee bit about that as well? Just, you know, what, what that looks like? Yeah, sure. Um, so what's essentially happened is we've pulled together all of the training that the staff, so we use um, 
therapeutic crisis intervention, we use DDP training, we have attachment um, and developmental trauma training. So it's essentially all been pulled into a, I suppose, handbook. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, a, this is what we consider to be best practice for our young people. Um, and this is what we know works for our young people um, with a high focus on relationships. And so it's just in the early stages of being rolled out across the staff teams, but it's stuff that we're doing already. We already know it. It's just essentially now written down and easily accessed in the one place. It's just embedding all the training that's already in place across Reach. So that's really good. And the thing is, as well, you know, I know we've experienced that you're all things are always, you know, new things are always coming in. And it's good that you've got that structure there to add, you know, to add to or to take away. Um, but so the best, just, I, sorry, uh, the, right. best, the best thing about um, the practice model is that it actually came from the views of children, and young people in stating that sometimes um, it can be a roulette in terms of the practice that you can experience from adults. So the practice model is aiming to ensure a consistency of care for our children and young people, like right across um, our services. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I always think that's pretty cool. That this whole, I guess, project stemmed from the voice of children and young people as well. Yeah. And it's good to hear that, you know, that, 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 but, you know, an identification of, you know, different ways to practice. And it's all, you know, it's all becoming solidified mm. and, you know, you know, Again, Kirsten, you used the the, 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 the about the handbook, but again, a handbook reflects a philosophy, you know. Yeah. And it's good to have it written down so that people actually can, you know, refer to it and be, you know, I guess the phrase called upon or or, or called on their their their, their, their practice mm -hmm. around, you know, what's in that particular handbook. So that's really good. So I suppose finally, you know, it's that bit about asking a reflective question. But if you could do coming into your roles, if you could do anything differently, if you were to start again, you know, what would that would that would that what would that look like? Oh I think so in my first year, um, so again, and this kind of reflects like my background of coming from like being in leadership and not having experience of like service design. So for me, it was like, like a new approach. And I did, when I was thinking about transitions, I did a lot of like desk research around, um, you know, things that were already in place, things that were already happening. And then I remember going to like the Promise Design School and I almost just kind of went, oh, that's going out the window. And there's a part of me that I wish I kind of kept like there was there's there's lots of stuff about emerging adulthood and that I read like I read so much about it but then as soon as I went into those workshops I almost kind of forgot about them um because I was like well it hasn't come from a children young people so uh. so I think I wish I'd kind of taken a more um balanced approach I think at the start um so yeah I think that's what I would maybe do differently okay Kirsten then from you um, I would probably say just having a bit more confidence in my ability to actually follow through with what we were planning. 
mm-hmm. I suppose coming out of like working in houses with young people into like a service design and improvement role was completely foreign to me. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I get a lot of support from Ruth and from the other work, the teams in the workforce as well, which is good. But I think, yeah, just having that wee bit more confidence when I initially started, I think I would have hit the ground running. Aye, that's, that's a good, good way to, I suppose, end this. It's to say it's been uh, really a privilege to hear from the both of you. I thank you for your time. I'm sure a lot of people get a lot out of listening to this particular uh, interview. And, uh, you know, I wish you all the best in terms of your, your individual journeys, but also wish Cross for each other the best as well. Thank you so much. No, no thank problem. you. It's been incredible. Thank you.